Thank you so much, Pastor Jason, for leading us in worship, and Lynette and the music team for leading us in songs. A very good morning to one and all. So good to see you all again here, and we want to welcome those who are new with us in our midst for the first time. We just want to warmly welcome you. And to keep you up to speed, we are resuming our series of studies and sermons from the book of Romans. And we are reading from, as you can see, Romans chapter 10, right? So one possible passage division will be, next slide. I have broken it to three parts, and uh, from uh, 1 to 4, 5 to 15, and 16 to 21. For those of you who are following the outline from the e-bulletin. Okay, let me close it down. Now, growing up in a non-Christian home, I was exposed and even nurtured to be religious following the traditions of men more than I know about the reasons for doing. Examples would be what? The examples would be the burning of joysticks every morning and every evening, the burning of incense every first and fifteenth day of the month, the display of meats, fruits, sweets, all that we deem a treat were offerings made, and many more practices that were noticeably done by the religious. Even so, the smoking of the whole house with frankincense every Friday, which is a practice of another faith. Now somehow, not everyone, even the elders, know why we do the things we do. It would just be either a passed-down traditions or an improvised practice as we go along. And what are the improvised practices? Example would be, you know, last time, only incense paper are burnt as compared to modern amenities like electronic products that are now being offered. So we pretty much came across as devoted. Some may call it zeal, but without necessarily knowing why we do it, but only to do it. And it was so. It resonated with me when I read Romans chapter 10 in preparation for this morning that Paul addresses the religiosity instead of the relationship between the Old Testament law and that of Jesus Christ. In short, a work-based religion coupled with establishing their own righteousness. And so briefly, just as a background, we heard from Romans 9 about the doctrine of sovereign election. Verses like what gives way and gives us that understanding. God have mercy on whom he has mercy. He will have compassion on whom he has compassion. And using the, the example or analogy of the potter and the clay, we are informed that God has made from the same lump some vessels for destruction and another vessels to make known his divine glory. And so it brings us to today's passage that speaks of Paul's heartbeat. Paul's heartbeat for who? Paul's heartbeat for the salvation of his own people, the Jews, that actually demands a response to the revealed and fulfilled knowledge from Old to New Testament, specifically about Christ. Which brings us to the first point, zeal without knowledge. Hence, Paul begins with a heartfelt prayer displaying his love and longing for his people's salvation. 
So why do you think Paul prays for Israel's salvation? The fact that Paul prayed for the Jews' salvation means he believes that they are not saved, despite receiving the gospel first and the privileges that they had enjoyed, which would be understood as God's favour upon them. It is not because they are indifferent to God, as Paul himself can affirm and testify of their zealousness for God. However, their zeal was a misguided zeal. It was based on no, not on knowledge. But what is the knowledge that they lack or reject? Next slide comes on. First, they rejected that the righteousness from God is only through faith in Jesus Christ. And because of this rejection, they established their own righteousness based on the law. And then some, with the creation of 613 of their own, in order to attain that righteousness. Next slide. Second, what they truly missed out was that the law that they followed so devoutly and zealously actually prepares the way and points to Christ as God's righteousness for their submission. Jesus, the Son of God, who is the culmination of the law, and what does culmination mean here? It could probably mean either the termination of the law or the goal of the law. Either way, it fulfills the requirements of the law by Jesus' perfect obedience and death. And the purpose is so that everyone who believes can be made right with God through Christ who is righteous. So we are no longer then under the jurisdiction of the law, but under grace. Now it doesn't mean that the law is no longer relevant to us. Rather, because now that we are saved, we are called to obey the law of Christ. And what is the law of Christ? Which is to love God and to love one another, which by far above and beyond any other laws. So for the Jews, their zeal was more of a sense of obligation to observe the law for righteousness as if it were by works. In this sense, their zeal is without knowledge of the truth of who Jesus is. And so, zeal without knowledge, commitment without reflection, enthusiasm without understanding is called one. In Hokkien, you know what is it called? In English, it's called fanatism. You go above and you go bonkers, you go overboard. As much as it sounded so hopeless for the Jews, Paul does not see their rejection as final, which is why he prayed to God for his fellow kinsmen. So instead of looking at someone and say, Alamak, look at that guy. No hope, ah, Boki one. He sure reject Jesus one. And look at how the way he dressed, so unkempt. Surely he yeah, will, will not accept Jesus as his Lord. Instead of doing that, I think we must pray for lost people and not assume and presume and just 
come to your own conclusion that oh, just because of this guy, how he dressed and how he talked and, and he's got no hope. No. Just like Paul. Zealous for salvation for his own people. So we must, at the same time, do likewise. So it's imp also important for us to be zealous about God, a zealousness that is based on truth, which is Jesus Christ. So how do we know and gain that true knowledge then? Second part, gaining the knowledge. So to substantiate his claim about the Jews' problem, and that Jesus is the culmination of the law, Paul quotes a series of scriptures from the Old Testament, which is what the Jews are very familiar with. So bear with me, because there's about 13 Old Testament references. So what I'll do is I'll flesh this up. I'll just keep it there as I just explain it from there, okay? So in verse 5, Paul quoted Moses in Leviticus chapter 18, verse 5. And in the context of Leviticus, Moses is telling the Israelites the righteousness which is based on law observance, one that allows continuance in the promised land. Now Paul is not suggesting that Moses thought that one could be saved by doing the law. Living in the Old Testament context refers to the enjoyment of covenant privilege and not necessarily to eternal life. Paul's point is that any righteousness based on the law is, by definition, something one can get by only by doing, but who can do the law perfectly? Put up your hands. None of us. Because Paul mentioned in 3.10, Romans 3.10, no one is righteous. 3.23, all have sinned and fallen short of God's glory. Next slide. And so contrasting righteousness by law, Paul now quotes Moses in Deuteronomy 9, in chapter 9 and chapter 30, which proclaims a different message, the righteousness that is by faith. In the context of Deuteronomy, Moses is warning the Israelites that their possession of the promised land is not by their own works nor their own righteousness. God has made His Word and His will known to His people through Moses. So they cannot claim they do not know. However, in the context of Romans, God has now revealed His Word to us through His Son, Jesus Christ. And so there is no need for us to scale the hypes nor plumb the depths in search of God. Hence, Jesus is near, so very accessible to us that all we need is not to check the timing and the direction to pray to a certain God. Instead, just to say, or for that matter, to confess and to be convicted or to believe in Jesus and one is saved. Jesus who has already come, died and risen, and so it is accessible to us. Yes, anytime and anywhere. Not, now it might sound too good to be true. One might ask, really? No need to do anything, man? Free, ah? how to get in? Ah? Now recently I attended a 
funeral of a non-Christian family. And to my surprise, the family was advised they cannot keep the excess condolence gift. It must be donated in the name of the deceased. And together with the rituals or religious works, it is believed that the deceased be able to earn, the deceased be able to earn marriage for his soul. So to tell you that you do not need to work towards your salvation, indeed sounds too good to be true. Now this is not like the scam messages or calls that we often receive. Righteousness by faith is indeed a free gift to all of us by the grace of God, with the price fully paid by Jesus Christ. And so to accept this gift of salvation, one must have the outward confession that Jesus is Lord, that means Jesus is Yahweh, and the inward belief that Jesus was raised from the dead. And what it means by Jesus is Yahweh, Jesus is Lord, we must understand Yahweh is the name of the covenantal God. Also, it includes a creator God. If He is the creator of the world, then everything is not without Him knowing. So whatever you go through in life, whether in family, in work, in relationships, you think He doesn't know? After all, He created not just the world, but He created you and me. Wonderfully and fearfully made. And so the 2022 Pew Research Center surveyed 13,000 over plus adults across six Asian countries. 2,036 of them are from Singapore, of whom 17 identified as Christian. And so as you can see, based on the survey result, there are quite a few troubling observations. We know that first, almost half of Christians in Singapore believe other religions can be true. If other religions can be true, what does it mean for us to trust Jesus as Lord or Yahweh? Around one in ten Christians say their faith is not an important part of their life. Really? Four in ten Christians do not pray daily. Example of Paul here, he starts to pray even for his own people. Assume that they, have already be, they are the chosen people of God and Number four, some Christians pray to other gods. Oh dear. You're not surprising to find Christians doing that, you know. Especially those who perhaps suffer from prolonged illness. Or maybe parents who seek other divination for their child's well-being, welfare, their studies, their relationship. I've come across quite a few in the days of my ministry here. And point number five, four in ten Christians do not believe we should evangelize, which we will later see as the passage unfolds. That sharing of God's word, everyone is a non-negotiable thing. It's not a KPI for Christians, but if the gospel is not shared, you think you'll be sitting here? You think I'll be standing here? Of course not. Lah. You would have heard, I would have heard it somewhere along the line. Right? Of our journey. So these are very troubling results, don't you think? 
The Bible has clearly addressed all the matters listed, yet the result is as such. When, when, we con when we only confess but not believe, when we only believe but not confess, one must know the confession and conviction that Jesus is Lord means Jesus is Yahweh. Is to acknowledge Yahweh to be the covenant creator God. Hence, sovereign and in control over everything, even the raising from the dead. That we admit this is a reasonable and meaningful relationship that we can have. So to confess and believe are two aspects of the one expression of faith in Jesus as Lord overall. So John Stott says this, Profession without possession would be vain, and possession without profession would be shown to be spurious, that means false or fake. They are two sides of the same coin. Now, moving on, quoting from Joel chapter 2, with the context of covenant renewal, Paul is emphasizing that salvation is available to all regardless of race, gender, or status, if you believe and declare that Jesus is Lord. Now, unlike some privileges that our government offers, that is only for selected groups of people, like who? Like the pioneers, the mandeka, and more recently, they include Majula, which I'm in, in that generation. Now, this gift of salvation, as opposed to what we have been offered, this gift of salvation is available to all, to all who believed and call on the name of the Lord. If I were to ask you, do you know which number to call for emergency? What's the number to call for emergency, please? Which one? 119. 119 is in Japan. 911, yesterday I mentioned 911 and I was corrected. Hey, where you stay? Eh? 911, you know where or not? The emergency number, America lah, or even Australia, right? Our emergency number, and I just want to encourage you for those because now it's towards the, the year end, right? Many people go away, right? Please keep all the emergency numbers, right? For Singapore, it's 999 or even 995 for ambulance service. Why? Well, you must remember, why you know? Because we are told, and for some of us who have hands-on experience, we know that these two numbers work when you really need it. And likewise, one will call on Jesus to save them only if they believed He can do it and believe in Christ cannot exist without knowledge about Him. True? Then how... How, how can one come around to this? One comes around to this, one can hear about Christ only when someone proclaims the saving message. The message about Christ will not be proclaimed unless someone is sent to do so. And just in case you think the sharing of the gospel for your knowledge just is meant for just the clergy, Think again, didn't our Lord Jesus give the great commission to his disciples from Matthew to go make disciples of all nations? 
And in case you are afraid to share the gospel because you have not read the entire Bible nor memorized all the verses, take heart. Didn't we just go through what? What have we gone through recently before res resuming the book of Romans? We did what? We did two ways to live. Right? We did two ways to live. Six simple pictures with six verses attached to it. Now, to tell you very frankly and honestly, I was quite skeptical, you know, about this. You mean just six of these um, uh, pictures can bring people to salvation? That is trusting on your own reasoning and logic, lah. The very fact that we actually equip you is so that we can depend on God to bring people salvation because salvation belongs to God. And so it is a simple structured way of sharing with just six pictures, with six verses. It is to equip each and every one of us to be ever ready to share the good news to anyone of any age. And so at the tail end of these two ways to live, the brothers and sisters keepers, we call it Basque Fellowship, we actually encourage our folks to invite their non-believing family, friends, parents and all. And lo and behold, we presented this. And three actually responded to believe in Jesus Christ. And then that weekend on Sunday, I went into prisons did one of the chapel, presented two ways to live again. Out of the 30, 20 plus of them raised their hands too. Amen? So that means it works, you know, six pictures only, you know. Actually, six pictures is really quite bad because I know of the wordless book, only four colours. That also can bring people to salvation. It is not dependent, no, you is not dependent on me to bring people salvation, but if we are God's instrument. If we, we don't share, how does people know? So this, this is precisely why then we ought to take heart. We are equipping you so that you are without excuse to say, hey, I don't know, Le. I don't want to share. Boldly share. And then, not only quoting Bible verses is the only way to share the gospel. Now we thank God for the two concerts we had this year, the Gettys and the City of Light. Right? Yes. They are recording worship artists, but let's take a look at Zen Benny. How many of you know her? Hands up. Or read about her? Okay, seems like I'm the only one. Never mind. Now, she is not a superstar, but she is a beloved child of God. Some brief background would be that she was assaulted when she was 13. 13. She lived in fear and shattered emotion until she found hope in Christ when she was 19. And gifted with beautiful voice, she started singing in the worship team at church and joined School of Worship in 2009. Since then, she has travelled to 24 countries to share the gospel of hope through her singing and her testimony. And so there are many ways to share the gospel. Therefore, I just want to encourage you, let us go forth and share the good news to all who has yet to hear about the Lord Jesus. 
so that they too may call on the name of the Lord. Amen? Another, another example I can give you, maybe you have heard, maybe you have not, right? So in, chap, in, 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 in prisons, right, there is um, all the counselling sessions we call the faith, faith um, uh, chapel or even the, the prayer meetings to, to, as, as counselling sessions. So there will be like three, four rooms side by side. So there will be one Christian counselling, the other one is, will be Buddhist counselling, the other one will be Muslim counselling. But every time... When the Christian meet, what, they, what do they do? We sing songs, lah, right? And specifically when you sing the hard language song, like, you know? So people get attracted to it, you know, from the other rooms, you know? They come out, what songs do you sing? They're very touching, lah. Because especially, yeah, those, those songs are with the lyrics, lah, baksai, you know? <laughs> and lo and behold, lah, the following week, the following week, you see them coming to the Christian counseling, the, the Christian session. Very interesting. And later, and later as in very soon enough, they believe in Jesus. What do you call that? So I just want to encourage you. Even though you cannot sing, as you think you cannot sing, but you can. Every one of us. There's no such thing as being tone deaf. Yeah, really. Previously, I used to believe there is people who are tone deaf and they really cannot carry a tune. But not true. If you are properly trained and guided, you can. Because this is what was taught to me and when I saw and I witnessed it with my own eyes. Right? So, I was in Bible college and every one of us, at the end of, the, the, at the end of our, our class, we all that same cohort needs to, be, uh, needs to present right, as a, as a choir. And there will be a few that want to, to excuse themselves, hey, I'm tone deaf. But some are really tone deaf, right? <laughs> midway, midway, right, in practicing and rehearsing, right? And this, this lecturer is very good. He's a voice trainer. And somehow, he got those tone deaf folks, huh? to sing in parts, you know. So that's why I believe now there is no such thing as stone deaf. So don't give yourself an excuse. So whenever the music ministry needs people, please raise out your hand, okay? Can? Alright? So this is another way of actually reaching out by your singing. So I love to sing during when I'm, when I'm in my showers, right? So I sing. Hopefully the neighbours will not find me a nuisance, lah. but rather say, hey, that song you sing very touching. Lah. Because, you know, Bathroom has got very good echo. Anyway. <laughs> okay, moving on. So, after gaining the knowledge, how then should we respond? Which brings us to the third point. Hearing and knowing about Jesus demands a response of those who heard. And so the next section is about the Jewish response, or rather, non-response to the gospel. Next slide. Their unbelief was already foretold in Isaiah chapter 53 with this word, Lord, who has believed our message. When God prophesied through Isaiah about his return and the defeat of Israel's enemy, how many of you have achieved 100% read through the sharing of your gospel? 100% success. 
at least for those who have tried. Lah. By the way, it is not the KPF for Christians. But if, if we were to be honest, I think not every time that we share the gospel, people responded in kind. Or for that matter, you will be rejected. You probably have a door slammed. You probably have even friendship strained, right? So even if you and I faithfully share the gospel, we bound to encounter rejection. And we often question why. Why wouldn't anyone accept such a great gift from God? That is exactly what Paul is examining in this last section by asking some very logical question. First, next slide. Paul examined if the Jews heard the gospel. He knows they did when he quoted Psalm 19. While the context of Psalm 19 is of the general revelation of God, he was using it as hyperbole, alluding to the proclamation of the good news to emphasize that the Jews have heard the good news. Now, commentator F.F. Bruce has called it representative universalism, meaning that when, whenever there were Jews, in particular, wherever a Jewish community existed, there too, gospel has been preached. Therefore, the Jews cannot blame their unbelief on their not hearing. And since they have heard, could it be that they do not understand? Next slide. Paul first quoted Moses from Deuteronomy chapter 32. The people that Moses described as not a nation and no understanding, he refers to the Gentiles. It is God's intention to use the Gentiles to provoke the Israelites into envy and anger because of the blessings that God would give them. So the Jews really cannot give the excuse of not hearing and not understanding for their unbelief. And at that time, when Paul wrote the letter to Romans, Jesus was already, already resurrected. Then what could be the real reason? Your guess is as good as mine. They are described as disobedient, stubborn, stiff-necked people because as much as they are zealous for the things of God, they have heard and understood the gospel. They are stubborn to submit to God's righteousness and seek instead to establish their own. Next slide. And to enforce this, Paul brings in his second witness the prophet Isaiah from Isaiah 65. Now, these verses reveal the attitude and actions of the Jews and the Gentiles and God. Even though the Gentiles did not ask or seek God, He revealed Himself to them saying, Here I am. The sovereign God revealed and offered Himself to them even when they did not ask or seek Him. If this is not grace and mercy, what else could it be? The same grace and mercy continues to be extended to Israel by way of what? 
by way of God's patiently holding out His hand to them all day long. Yet their response to God is negative, resistant, recalcitrant, dismissive even. They remain as disobedient and obstinate people. So if I were to ask you, to what extent would you go, to what extent would you go to make sure you get what you really want? What would be your answer and what would be your reply to me? Now to some, next slide, they're willing to queue up hours for Coldplay, Taylor Swift, Jackie Chan concert tickets, right? And new electronic products that can cost as little as few dollars to hundreds to thousands. So if such insignificant and temporal things can cause such a response, wouldn't it make more sense in regard to salvation, which incomparably is way more significant and eternal, be responded to? I pray and hope that you and I will meditate and ponder over this. So in closing, we know that knowledge is very important to make our zeal meaningful and purposeful. Now, for example, if you were to ask Jason, a.k.a. Mr. Hot, he's an avid fisherman. Now, if you were to ask him, what's the difference between, would there be a difference between pond fishing and deep sea fishing? Or he will tell you a long list, he will sit you down and ask you to buy coffee. And he will tell you there, will be, there is so big a difference from the rod you use, from the reel, from the line, from the bait, from the weight of the things. So, what am I saying? I'm saying that having the knowledge of the right equipment is essential to having a fuller and much rewarding experience. And now that we know and understand God's righteousness, is true faith in Jesus Christ. So how then can we express it by? We can express it by the five Ps that I suggest to you. First P, being passionate. For us who are longer in faith and might be jaded or just cruising along. Now I cannot impress you enough to be passionate for the salvation of the lost. I, it is God's heartbeat in Christ that He came to seek and to save the lost. And I wish to command all who are serving and teaching to keep that passion alive. In the various platforms of your engagement, whether it be in, within the family, whether it's in school, workplaces, DGs, fellowships, ministries, and so on and so forth. Second P, pray unceasingly for the lost. God has placed many people in our lives who have yet to believe. But we let God be God. Do not cease to pray for God's mercy to come upon them. Only our sovereign God can overcome the unbelief of people's heart. Third, we as the object of God's mercy 
have the duty and responsibility to share the good news, the gospel of Christ with others. This is not only a duty of the clergy, but for all of us who are saved. We're all gifted differently, uniquely by God. So go on and go forth with the urgency to share. Do not be afraid of rejection, my dear friends. Just be faithful in sharing the gospel. Fourth, always be reminded there is only one way for salvation, and that way is true faith in Jesus Christ. So if you are actively involved in the ministry of the church, let us remember that we are serving the Lord because we are saved and not to earn our ticket for salvation. You see the difference there? And five, for those who are still undecided, sitting on the fence, sitting on the fence is very painful, just in case you do not know. <laughs> know that God is real and He is faithful. He's revealing himself to you through Jesus, through the people he has placed in your life, through the hearing of your word like today. So Christ welcomes you with his arm outstretched regardless of your background and status. And by your confession that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that he was raised from the dead, you will be saved for eternity. So why wait? Well, I don't know about you, but for me, it's not an easy passage with many references to Old Testament. So I just hope to leave with us the heartbeat of Paul as in the heartbeat of Christ and hope the acronym helps you to remember that salvation is only through faith in Jesus Christ. And all unincluded, both Jews and Gentiles. And so it's vital for us to share the gospel so that people may externally confess with their mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in their hearts that He was raised from the dead. And by doing so, then they do not reject God's grace and mercy. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, Thank you for bringing your words near to us through your Son, Jesus Christ. That we can be saved through our confession and conviction that Jesus is Lord and raised from the dead on the third day. We pray that you enable us to boldly proclaim the good news to all whom you have placed in our lives so that they may also call on your name and proclaim Jesus as their personal Saviour and Lord. We praise and we pray in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.